1: It's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday.
0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, brought to you by Go Wild. Now, what is Go Wild? Go Wild is the fastest growing and most active app for hunters, anglers, and outdoor enthusiasts. There's literally thousands of people joining a week. And unlike most major social media platforms that have strict anti-hunting and anti-firearm policies, that's not the case with uh, Go Wild. Now, Go Wild was designed for hunters, anglers, and outdoor enthusiasts by hunters and anglers and outdoor enthusiasts so that's where you're going to get the connection the first thing we want you to do is go to wherever you download your apps for your smartphone search for go wild download it play around with it and then let us know what you think welcome to the nine finger chronicles podcast Brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now,
1: here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson.
0: Right now, I am elk hunting. I'm elk hunting. When you're listening to this, I'm actually at about 10,000 plus feet and I'm elk hunting. Uh, that's the goal anyway. That's what I'm doing right now while you're listening to this because I I have went into the future and I've posted this. Now, I might even be dead by the time this launches because uh, I'm so out of shape. I fell down a mountain, whatever. Probably not something to joke about. But I'm telling you right now, as I'm recording this, I'm freaking jacked. I have, I'm leaving in a couple days. But when you're listening to this, I'll actually be up in the mountain. So there's that. Now, today we have... A pretty kick-ass podcast with returning guest Bob Polanik. Now, Bob's been on the podcast before uh, with his wife. Uh, They did a uh, hunting with your spouse episode. He's been on uh, even before that talking about some product and today... We got a good old-fashioned bullshit session for all of you guys. And we're going to talk about his upcoming season, uh, what he's got planned. He's got an elk trip planned. He's going to Montana to hunt elk. Then he's going to Nebraska. He drew an Iowa tag this year, so uh, he's putting a lot of... uh, effort and energy and time and money into that hunt as well and he also can hunt in Michigan where he's from so that's what today's podcast is about the prep for the for this upcoming season uh, his expectations so forth and so on now today's podcast is brought to you by wasp archery now if you guys have been messed around with a waf, bleh, with a wasp broadhead yet you need to because they're a badass pod or a badass broadhead. I'm fired up, right? That's how that's how fired up I am right now. I can't even talk. But anyway, wasp broadheads, right? Made in America and they are American strong, right? They are a tough, tough broadhead. Man, I killed two deer with them last year one was a perfect broadside shot smoked it through the liver and it was dead in 40 yards you know that shot's easy right but I had a marginal shot on another deer and a a tough broadhead like that was able to go through the front shoulder of this uh, other deer that I shot and it was dead in 10-15 feet right spined it dropped dead uh there was no deflection the broadhead did what it was designed to do and be tough and perform and that's what uh, wasp broadheads do um and they have mechanicals if you're a mechanical guy i'm a fixed blade guy at this time in my life and i'm i'm using the boss four blade huge fan of that broadhead and actually that's what i'm going to be taking elk hunting with me and hunting whitetails this year with so Go visit wasparchery.com. And if you do decide to purchase broadheads, which you should because it's hunting season is just around the corner or here for most of us, or majority of us, enter the discount code nine fingers. That's the number nine followed by the word fingers, and you'll receive 20% off your purchase. So go take advantage of that. Enough talking, enough bullshit. Let's get into this bullshit session. With my man, Bob Polanik, Three, two, one. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, today we have a returning guest. The last time he was on the podcast, uh, his wife was also with us and we talked about hunting with your spouse. But now, it's just Bob Polanik and myself on the podcast. How you doing, man?
1: I'm doing pretty good. Uh, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing good, man. I... Uh, I leave for an elk hunt in three days. Uh, Friday, I leave Friday of this week. I'm, I'm recording wow. this on what? What's today? The 27th of August. So I leave on the 31st, and I'll start hunting on the 2nd of uh, of September. Hunt that entire week, and ooh, I'm getting itchy. You got an elk hunt too, right?
1: Yes, sir. I, uh, I'm going out to Montana. And that is, I think, I fly out September thirteenth. Cool. And uh, I, don't, I don't fly. I don't fly back till the twenty fourth. Um, okay. But so how long are you going for?
0: Oh, I'm going for one week, so I'm leaving on a Friday, and I'll come back like early Sunday morning.
1: Okay. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. Yep. So, before we get into all that, because we're going to talk about uh, your upcoming season, the prep work that you've done, and uh, BS for a while, but you've also, I follow you on, you know, social media and you guys have been kind of all over the place this, uh, this summer. T- let's talk about where you've been this summer and what have you done and why have you done it?
1: So, uh, so yeah, uh, my wife and I took, uh, we took a big out West trip, um, mid July through the end of July. Uh, basically she got done with, uh, residency And um, before she started with a new practice, um, she kind of when she signed her contract with the new practice, she kind of she was able to pick her start date. So she pushed it all the way off to mid-August and she graduated from residency at end of June. So she had about seven weeks off and she had been wanting to kind of go check out Glacier National Park and then uh, Banff National Park as well. And uh, which is up in Canada. And uh yeah it was a, it was a, I think we had a 17 day road trip we ended up putting on over 6000 miles but yeah we uh we got out there before a lot of like the wildfires we have we have pictures actually kind of sad we have pictures of Lake McDonald in uh Glacier National Park and then we found out like a week after we got home that the whole like everything all the trees around the lake were it was all on fire yeah. and the whole side of the park was shut down so mm-hmm. we were lucky we got out there when we did it was beautiful weather um but yeah that was just uh not a once in a lifetime trip but that was just something that's kind of been on our, our bucket list and able to scratch it off and then uh on top of that we we drove and uh a buddy and i have uh had made plans we've been buying points in iowa and uh there's a lot of public land to hunt, so I wanted to scout that, but on my way on my way out to glacier, I was able to talk my wife into uh uh knocking on some doors, and I kind of figured that knocking on a door and asking for hunting permission with my wife would probably result in a yes faster than if it's me and my buddy ah <laughs> you dog yeah you dog yeah, yep, so uh. And I, I I just, I used Onyx maps and I'm not, you know, plugging them for anything, but that is a, that is a heck of a tool. Yeah. Um, and I, what I did is, uh, I looked at big chunks of property where the owner actually lived on the property. Cause I was like, okay, if someone came to my house and said, Hey, well, I guess I back up a lot of properties I found in Iowa, the owner doesn't live on. Yeah. So there'd be a 200 acre piece, but they're tax address that you can see on, on X is like 10 miles away. So I didn't want to knock on someone's door and be like, Hey, can I hunt your property? And then they, they would respond with, well, I don't live here. And you can be like, yeah, I know. But what about the 200 acres? That's, you know, 10, 15 miles away. I, I feel like they, a lot of them would be like, I, how, why do you know about that? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we just, we, we just searched, I, I mapped out like five or six properties along the way through, um, the unit in Iowa that we're hunting. And, uh, we got very lucky. And, uh, the third door we knocked on, um, was a 534 acre farm. And the guy, uh, he started off, he goes, well, he's like, I got some other guys that hunt here. So immediately I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is a no. And he finishes his sentence with, so I guess I don't see why it'd be a problem if if you hunt here as well, and (laughs) we get to talking to him and the guys that hunt there only hunt there during, um, the shotgun season, which is, I think in Iowa, you don't start shotgun season until December. Yep. That's right. So we were like, okay, that's perfect. Not a problem. Yeah. And then he starts telling us about a buck that a 30 point buck that was shot (laughs) off his property in 2016. And I'm, I'm kind of sitting there just like, this guy doesn't really hunt like 30 point buck. Like I know I'm in Iowa, but this can't be true. And we go scout his farm. We run into his neighbor and his neighbor's like, Oh, you want to see that buck that was shot off this property? Or they want to see the buck sheds that were like, they got replica sheds made. And uh, so we go in and sure enough, it's, I don't even know what it scored, but yeah, it was, it was well over 200 inches and it was just a massive buck. So, wow. But yeah. Wow. So yeah, very, very fortunate for, uh, to get that access. So, but, so do you feel like you kind of lucked out? Yeah. Um, on top of that, he's got a couple relatives that have, you know, surrounding property that basically we got permission on all that. So like when it was all said and done we have access to like 700 acres to hunt and, uh, it's just, it's, it's overwhelming. It's like, that's almost too much property because how do you really scout that in a weekend? Right. So absolutely. Absolutely. So you fit some
0: scouting time into your vacation uh, that you went out West on. So out of all the, I mean, what all States did you go to on this vacation?
1: Ooh, so the drive out there, um, uh, from Michigan, um, we stopped in Iowa and then actually, um, my wife and I have a, a private farm that we hunt in Nebraska. That was, yeah, I mean, as the crow flies, maybe 15, 15, miles from the farm we got permission on. So definitely hunting that, um, Western part of Iowa, Eastern part of Nebraska, along the Missouri but uh, we got friends that live out there, so we stayed with them for a night. Then we cruised out to, oh, South Dakota. We stayed in Deadwood after we saw like Mount Rushmore and Crazy Horse. Um, and then and then we went up to Montana, to Glacier Park for like four or five days. Um, we cruised to to Bozeman, Montana. Cause I got a buddy that lives there. That's who I actually go elk hunting with. Um, and we floated down the Yellowstone for about three days. We also did the total archery challenge um, at Big Sky, which is completely different than doing the total archery challenge in Michigan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I didn't even really have fun because we, we signed up for one of the harder <laughs> courses and yeah, it was bad. We, you get off the chairlift and you're at 9,000 feet. And I was like, whoosh, I am not, not ready for this yet, but um, so basically but, uh, you just sucked wind and lost arrows is what you're telling me. Yeah. And so in Michigan, they, we have a mountain called Boyne Mountain. It's like a, it's a ski hill. I, I don't even know what the max elevation is, maybe 1500 feet, but like it's, it's, you know, it's grass and a lot of dirt. So like, if you miss a target, your arrow just sticks in the dirt, like underneath or over the target out there, it's like rock a mountain so you miss a target your arrow just explodes and, you <laughs> or, know, or skips
0: off into infinity
1: yeah yeah so <laughs> no it was yeah it was it was pretty uh definitely have bought more arrows this year than the last three years combined so yeah awesome yeah. uh and then from there um after that float down the yellowstone and that um which was beautiful um we went up to banff national park up in canada and that was, uh, I mean, that's just that's jaw dropping. I mean, the it's just jagged. It's way more jagged than Glacier. Uh, a lot of people say Banff National Park is like Glacier on steroids, which I would agree. But it, uh, yeah, like just jagged faces and just it's incredible. I can't even words don't do it justice. So right,
0: right. So when you went on that float trip, catch any fish?
1: We did. We caught a couple browns, a couple uh, cutthroat, a couple rainbows, but we didn't. Oh, we didn't do a lot of fishing. It was. Uh, it was definitely uh, a relaxing, um, definitely floating, crushing some beers, and <laughs> having a good time in the sun. So yeah, we we ate good and we just had a good time. So uh, typically, when I see my buddy out in Montana. It's just, it's all business. You know, we're like, we're going in, we're hunting elk, and, you know, it's a very uh, sober activity. It's very, like, you're just focused. It's a whole different mindset. And uh, so we don't get a lot of time to, like, you know, let our hair down and have a good time. And that's kind of what the, this summer trip was all about. So,
0: right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you had fun. Um, and now, you're getting close to what looks to me like one hell of agenda for the uh, for the upcoming season. So, first on the list, you've already kind of mentioned this is you're going to out to Montana uh, to hunt elk. So your so I guess the first thing I want to ask you is what kind of prep work have you been doing? Are you doing maybe we can talk about some gear, all that stuff uh, in preparation for this elk trip that you're taking?
1: Oh, mainly it's physical prep. Yeah. Um, a lot of running. I've, I've, i try to be, I try to work out you know, two or three times a week anyway. Um, but that's a lot. Of, I, I do not like cardio. Uh, so it's a lot of like more like lifting weights. And, um, actually as I've, I'm not that old. I'm 31, but as I've gotten older, I've learned like stretching is very important Right. Um, so I've been doing a lot more of that, but yeah, I, I just, the last month, I guess, uh, definitely ramped up the cardio. Basically I took, I t- we did, we did a few big hikes out in like Glacier and Banff and stuff like that. And like, I, I figured that, uh, being out there in the higher elevation, that was going to kind of be the initial, like, get, get your body used to high elevation and, uh, you know, kind of Get your lungs used to it. And that was just supposed to kind of catapult me right into uh the cardio version of getting ready for elk hunting, which right. it did. I haven't kept up on it like I should, but a lot of cardio, a lot of throwing on a, a forty pound backpack at the gym and hitting the stairmaster for, you know, 20, 30 minutes and uh just a sweaty, nasty mess. But yeah, um it's kind of what you gotta do. So
0: Yeah. So on my last elk trip out to Idaho I I did a lot of cardio, like just a ton of cardio, and not any real leg strength endurance. Um, okay, I went out there and I got my butt kicked, regardless. Right, climbing up, down the the elevation, the oxygen level is just horrible for someone like us. When you know when we get out there, but I talked to a guy out um, who lives out there, and he told me he's like, man. Next time you go to start training, do a lot of like strength training for your legs. But at the same time, you probably don't need to do as much cardio, but put on a pack with as much weight as you can tolerate and and do as much of that as you possibly can. So that right there is what. I've been doing. I've just... I bought this thing called an Atlas Trainer from a company called Outdoorsman. I don't know if you've seen the, the pictures of it, but you can put weights, like weight plates on it, because it's got a, a a pole that comes out of it, and you can slide the weights on it, and dude, it... I, want, I go on these four-mile hikes around the lake near my house, and there's some ups and downs on it, but by the time I get back to my truck, I... I I can't even talk I'm so tired
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I I have seen your pictures of it. I've been intrigued. Um, I just so I do this I do a similar um, Like weighted hikes and stuff like that out in the woods. Yeah, um or, or Wherever you know, just you know public land wherever I can just do a little hike or even down the road where I live but uh, the only reason I didn't I have I've been gone the route of you know the the same frame you have just because i basically end up throwing um like a bunch of towels or whatever to kind of mimic like the load my backpack will have and then i literally i throw like plated weights like lifting weights so right now i've got i think a 25 pound weight in there and then with like a three liter camelback full plus just like the general weight of the backpack and the weight of some clothes i'm right at about 40 um i used to mow like, uh, about a three quarter of an acre lawn with a push mower with my backpack on all summer. But I moved recently and I don't have the same yard situation, but that was, uh, that was brutal. That, that put a whole different spin on mowing the lawn.
0: Right. Right. I did that one time and I jacked my back up so much because you're kind of leaning forward a little bit. So it was putting a lot of stress on my lower back. And I, 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 you know, that was a while ago, but uh, I, I couldn't do that anymore, but, uh, just like a ton of legs, this, you know, it's like, I've almost neglected my upper body, but just a ton of weights for the legs and walking and hiking as much as humanly possible and, uh, getting just, and being active and doing those weighted hikes. So, um, I think, you know, i you know, I say this now, but I think I'll be ready for my elk hunt, which uh, as soon as I get out there, you'll probably read about it online. Dan Johnson found dead.
1: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's good to hear. I, I think when guys like us from the Midwest or the, the East or um, just the Flatlanders that we are, when any time we start training for an outcome like this like the end result is always better than what you were you know in the winter right you're so it's that's good but yeah it's um i definitely agree i think doing doing weight training is good um i do think that still doing some sort of um good upper body workout is beneficial just so your body kind of has yeah that extra meat to it to kind of eat away at itself when you're not really feeding it, uh, you know, every day on the, on the mountains. Um, Yeah. So that's good. And then on top of that pain tolerance, you know, when you, when you lift more weights or when you're doing cardio and you're really pushing it and you're getting your heart rate really high, you can, you just, you end up putting your body in physical pain and the more physical pain you can handle in training, the more you're even going to be able to handle on a mountain. Yeah. So, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So, physical training, right, for this elk hunt. Um, how many
1: years have you been elk hunting? This will be my fourth. So, this is actually only the second year that I have purchased a tag. I've gone two years. The um, first year I ever went, I did not buy a tag. I figured there was way too much to learn and a Montana tag's like $850. Yeah. And I just thought that was going to be a really expensive lesson to learn. It'd be cheaper just to buy a flight. And then, um, the second year I went, I bought a tag and my buddy and I got very lucky and we, uh, we both shot, um, both shot bulls five days apart. Um, and last year I went to Idaho, uh, with a buddy here from, uh, Michigan and he shot a, a real nice bull and, we tracked it for a long ways. Um, a lot of snow last year and we had, um, amazing blood for about a hundred yards where you just, we sat down, waited an hour. Like we thought this thing was dead no doubt about it. And we just tracked it forever and ended up not finding it. But, uh, that was more of a calling that just was calling for him. I was trying to work on calling and kind of develop the skills to, uh, hunt with a partner. And it's just, uh, Even if you don't have a tag in your pocket, you're still, you're still fully part of hunting for elk when you're out there with someone. So, yep, absolutely. So
0: So, this elk hunt, then, you know, you really only been, you've been doing it four years, but only participating in the hunting portion of it for two years. What are some things that you've learned over that time, you know, that time period that, you know, hopefully will make you a better hunter? On this trip,
1: um, nutrition. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about like actual like hunting tactics or like just a couple things, to, but nutrition's huge. Like, definitely bring a good like. Th- I'm two hundred and fifteen pounds. I bring about three thousand calories per day, yeah. and that keeps me pretty fueled to do about anywhere from six to ten miles a day. Um, as far as that, that was like the hardest lesson I learned from the first year. Other than that, as far as like some actual like hunting scenario things, one thing I've learned, um, if you, if an elk busts you or looks at you, they don't just, they don't like bolt like a whitetail does a lot of times. So if a, if an elk busts you, it, a lot of times they hang out for five, 10 seconds. So one thing I'll practice um, when I'm uh, practicing with my bow is being able to accurately shoot um like you know 40 50 yards within 5 seconds like draw back and release very quickly and shoot accurately yeah. like, like like a quick draw basically because elk are also so big that they don't really uh like duck your arrow or jump your string so um i mean if they're 60 yards out they're probably going to but um that's a big one another one is they come in silent like if you're bugling, you're throwing out like a location bugle or a cow call and it's just a quiet morning or afternoon. I've had a lot of elk, mainly bulls, sneak in downwind um, and they come right into, you know, 50 to 100 yards. And once they cut your wind, they, they bust. But it's almost like if, it, if it's quiet, so you'll call and then. Uh, kind of back downwind about 100 yards and expect them to kind of come into where you called but you know hopefully you're going to be downwind enough where you intercept them coming in to look where you were so it's kind of like a if you're calling they're not coming in or they're not responding just be prepared for them to sneak in behind you uh quietly to kind of investigate who you are and you kind of just want to play the play the wind and, and back off a little bit. And you might like, if there's a game trail 50 yards behind you or something, maybe get downwind of that. Right. So that's, those are just the two big things that I've taken away in the last couple of years. Um, another good one is if you have a bull bugling uh, at night, um, you know, last hour or so, and there's no way you're going to be able to get there before it's dark, just let them be and be there in the morning because a lot of times they'll be right in that area in the morning. Gotcha. So okay, that's an, that's a good one.
0: Yeah. I'll have to remember that when I go out there uh, next week. Um, so let's see here. What about gear? I mean, any upgrades uh, or we talk a little bit about some of the, the gear for going out West on one of these hunts, um, maybe from a, I bought this maybe I don't use it anymore or uh, I bought this and I like it or I bought this and I didn't like it anything like that
1: yeah Um, boots I blew through a pair of boots on each elk hunt the last few years because I had uh, I had a friend that worked for Merrill so he was able to get me 60% off Merrill boots and they just don't hold up Uh, I'm talking last year I was hunting for five days and the heel in the snow and on the fifth day with two days left to hunt i had my heel and my boot basically start like detaching so yeah boots are huge i bought crispy i just bit the bullet and bought crispies this year um i did the same yeah yeah, right i got the crispy summits what'd you get
0: uh i think they're the they're a green um they're green uh toros or something like that okay I think that's what they're called. I forget. I don't know. I just tried them on. I didn't even look at the name. I tried them on. They felt comfortable, and I ended up uh, buying them because I felt that price kind of reflected quality uh, to a certain extent, especially with boots. So I I spent three hundred and twenty bucks. I don't know what yeah. you spend.
1: Uh, about the same. Yeah. About the, yeah yeah. It's definitely over that three hundred dollar mark. So yeah, it's it it hurts, but I don't know that your feet if your feet go you're done yeah
0: right and the last the last time i was basically wearing early season deer hunting boots uh some pronghorns from danner which they did they did okay but i just felt they were too bulky uh to be you know going up verticals like what we were going up so i bit the bullet and started breaking these in two months ago and now dude they're they're really comfortable
1: do you like yours Yeah, they were, uh, they were right out of the box. They were great. I have a wider foot. Um, and so they, and they, they're, and they're a softer boot. So, and they, uh, they fit the the need for that. Well, um, so yeah, that was, that was huge. Um, I have been wearing like a layering system from Cryptech the last, well, the last three years. Um, and uh, this year kind of switched over to all the sickest stuff. Um, just more so gear junkie mm-hmm. just want to try it No, just interested interested right um back backpack i had a tenzing 6000 i i liked it um but i didn't know that it actually wasn't that good until i got a new backpack uh i got a new uh mystery ranch it's a metcalf i think and uh, doesn't have a lot of the same like pocket uh pocket layout pocket options it's kind of just one big bag so it doesn't have like a lot of the same organizing that like the tensing does but it carries uh, it carries weight much better just the, right. the, the way that everything sits on your body it just feels way better right so
0: did that Tenzing have a internal frame yes so okay all right so i have an uh that outdoorsman atlas trainer basically i'm going to use that for my hunt uh when i go out west you know so i'll be able to take okay. that that device off so now it's just a, a plain frame and i ordered one of their smaller packs uh, and a meat sling for it basically because I'll, okay you know we'll have a spike camp and i ro- really won't need to use a big pack uh to Carry a, a ton of stuff in because it will all be back at our camp. So I uh I I opted for a smaller. It's called the muley pack. It's I don't even know how big it is. It's like a very large fanny pack basically, and okay. uh, and then a, a water bladder to go with it. So that's what I'm rocking at when I'm leaving to go on the hunt every day.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, we uh the the way my buddy and I in uh, Montana have done it is we. We do a spike camp as well, but we pack in. So we usually go in about three, four, five miles, like right out the gate. Um, and we will bring enough food and gear to hunt for I think five nights. And uh, it's it's a really cool way to do it. It's probably a little bit more aggressive than what you need to be. Uh, I know last year my buddy and I went in just for two nights and the rest of the time we ca- we stayed at a cabin and what and uh I mean, it was snowing, so we we didn't really have a, too much of an option. Right. Um, and that was way more enjoyable. I mean, you're just looking at getting up earlier, and but you're sleeping in a nice warm cabin in a bed. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's pros and cons to both. Absolutely. So. All right. So,
0: elk hunt, man. Let me just say good luck. Good luck to you hey, on the elk hunt. Right back at you. All right. So. Now it's whitetails, right? You 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 come back from uh, you you know you come back from your elk hunt back to Michigan, and when are you heading to Nebraska?
1: So my wife and I are heading to Nebraska October twenty seventh. A little little earlier than normal, but um, I think we should be good. Right. Hopefully the weather cooperates. Well, it's earlier because you're going to Iowa this year, right? yes okay yes
0: so how many days are you dedicating to your nebraska hunt
1: so her and i will be out there for seven days i think it's a friday to a maybe it's eight or nine friday to a saturday or sunday so gotcha
0: so and this is a place that you've hunted for several years
1: right yes this will be the fourth year there uh, every year that we've gone only one person uh, it's always been me and a buddy or me and my wife um and every year we've only been able to take you know fill one tag um so this year the plan is to just film my wife with the Iowa hunt coming up I'm not too worried about filling my tag in Nebraska um now if she were to say fill her tag like day three day four um because nebraska's over the counter i would have no problem tag and trying to trying to fill my tag out there but uh, i'm not not terribly worried about that more so i just want her to have the experience of um the rut in the midwest um and then opportunity at uh, a mature buck which is hard hard to come by in michigan
0: Absolutely. So on this uh, Nebraska farm, you mentioned it's really close to the Iowa border, actually 15 miles away from where you're going to be hunting in Iowa. Um, What is, what's the deer density like? What's the deer, um, like the the quality on this farm? Talk a little bit about that.
1: Well, it used to be a lot better, unfortunately. It's, It's good. There's a year averaging about 20 to 30 deer, Uh, sightings per hunt always does in bow range always those year and a half old two and a half year olds in bow range um there is and then from there on out because we run we run a couple cameras there too and we leave them all year so after that you'll get maybe a three and a half year old on camera maybe a four and a half year old on camera Maybe a five and a half year old, but that's about it for age structure. So there's not a ton of huge Slammer bucks running around but because it's right on the Missouri River and it's kind of the only timber around They just kind of cruise up and down through it. So you see a lot of deer and um, You can always have You know a big boy show up. There's plenty of plenty of big boys that we've gotten on camera over the years Um, but basically uh, I did some work out there back in 2010, and I, that's when I first hunted there. I was going to go back the second year in 2011, but I couldn't. And on top of that, the Missouri flooded really bad. Right. And I and, and because it's it's literally right on the on the Missouri, uh, I guess the whole farm was about two feet underwater. Um. So that kind of displaced all the deer. And then 2012 EHD hit, um, and it wiped out. They were saying like seventy percent of the herd, which makes sense because all the midge flies and all that are gonna be net close to water source. So you had a flood and now you've got a drought. It, it just made sense that everything along the Missouri just got hammered. Yeah. Um. So then it's been like in a you know a, it's been rebuilding since then. Um. The the guys that we stay with, or the couple we stay with, I guess when we're out there. Uh, he told me that when he used to hunt it in the early two thousands, it would not be uncommon to see 75 to a hundred deer per sit. Holy cow. I, yeah, I have, I have questioned him on that multiple times, <laughs> multiple years, and he swears up and down that during bow season, he would, he's like, they, he's, he, he's a herd of 40 does would come through. Wow. And he's like, you just would sit there and watch them. Wow. That's so, that's... yeah. Yeah, very crazy. That'd make for an
0: interesting rut when you when you have forty forty does in front of you. It's not like the bucks even have to try to find someone to breed.
1: Right, huh. right. Yeah, I don't even know if that would affect like rattling or calling or decoys. I don't even know if it'd affect any of that. You well, if, know,
0: if you have deer, if you have deer all around, and you rattle, it's like it would spook all the deer away.
1: Right. Huh. Right. There would be, and, and a buck would probably be like, why are any other bucks fighting? There's nothing yeah. to fight over. Yeah. Hey, you want so. to come with
0: me? Sure. Cool. Right. <laughs> I wish college, I wish college was like that. It wasn't though. <laughs> no, no, nope. no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, <laughs> so Nebraska, um, so, so Nebraska, I mean, something you've done for a while. I mean, you always run into I mean. Is it one of those places where you're going to get at least one opportunity per trip? Yes. Yeah. If you cover, if you spend the time in the stand, is this one of those places where you're sitting all day long?
1: Yeah, you can. Yeah, it definitely works. Uh, The 2016 um, was kind of my first year back out there since 2010. And my buddy, we drove all night, um, got up on our tree stands after driving all night. And 45 minutes after daybreak, my buddy missed like a I don't know like a 140, 145, eight point, right out the gate. So right. we're like, holy smokes, what? What? Like we don't even we hadn't checked cameras yet. You know, we get down for lunch because we hadn't really slept and check cameras. And we see the buck he missed, and it's a legit buck, and we see a couple other ones that are even bigger. So we're all stoked. Next morning comes around i missed the same buck that he missed it's actually <laughs> it's actually all on video it's it's bad um and then yeah he ended up getting uh an opportunity at uh and he capitalized on it on a nice like i don't know it was it was a it was a mature buck i think it was a three and a half year old it was a it was a nice eight yeah and then i hunted and that was close to the last day and i had an opportunity at maybe a. it was probably a two and a half year old and i thought about I thought about taking them just to say we both successfully filled our tag, but I, I, really wanted to shoot a mature buck, so I kept lying to myself that it could happen. It could happen. Don't shoot that buck, and it just never happened. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
0: All right. So the question now is, as we transition, okay. So you got Nebraska, and then you're gonna go home and work for a couple days, and then you're gonna come back out to Iowa, but because you know, there's you, such a close distance between your Iowa farm and your Nebraska farm. Let's say your wife tags out day one of this, day one or two of this Nebraska hunt. What's keeping you from going over to this uh, to this Iowa farm and starting to hunt?
1: Uh, friendship, <laughs> Fr- friendship. Because I have thought about that scenario. Oh, because
0: your buddy's coming with you. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So it would be the opposite then. Like if you were if you were hunting Iowa tagged out on day 1 or 2, you could easily go to uh go to Nebraska and finish out, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I do a lot of filming um so I would probably if that did happen, I would probably jump in a tree and try to film him. Um but we have talked if because we're going to Iowa for I think 10 days of hunting that if we're both tagged out by day five or six I will definitely go cruise over into to nebraska yeah and uh the thing with that it's nebraska for us it's a cheap hunt because the tags over the counter i think it's like 250 yep um but then lodging we have friends that live there so lodging's free and that's just so that's so huge when you can get lodging for free it makes the trip very affordable
0: so are you going to be staying in nebraska and just crossing over to
1: iowa every day for your hunt no, because even though it's about 15 miles as the crow flies, because of the Missouri and the bridge op, like uh, bridge uh, situations, it's like uh, over an hour drive. Okay. So, so no, we we uh we rented a place for the uh, ten days we were there. That was actually very tricky to do because it sounds like most uh, non-resident hunters go out there for like a like a Friday to a Sunday or a Saturday to a Saturday. And because we're going out there, I think like a Thursday to a a Sunday, finding something that had availability, all the, all the same cabin or room or even house was like very tricky. Right. So, so how would you uh, fix that problem or solve that problem? Uh, I just got very lucky. I was I was waiting. We had a, a cabin rented. We were going to be in one cabin with no uh, running water or anything like that for like the first three days. And then we were going to have to move to like a super nice cabin for about four days and then move to back to, uh, uh, a cabin with no water for like the final four days. And on top of that, this place, if I reserved for the whole 11 days that were out there and then we ended up tagging out early, they were like, we can't, we're not going to be able to refund you. For like the five days, you you were, didn't need to stay here. Right. So I was like, all right, well, I was like, maybe I'll just reserve like the first seven, and then we'll just wing it from there and hope to find somewhere to stay for the last four days if we really need to, you know, be out there that long. And when I was, they were trying to process my payment, something with their system happened. And so they're like, well, we'll try to figure this out. Let us, you know, call you back. We'll reserve all your days, blah, blah, blah. In the two hours that it took them to, um, get their processing equipment fixed. Someone emailed me back on a property that I had inquired about like three weeks ago and said, yep, we have availability, blah, blah, blah. It was actually cheaper. It's an actual, it's a house that we have all to ourselves and it's maybe, it's five minutes from public land that we're scouting and about 10 minutes from the farm we got permission to hunt. It was like, it was, everything happens for a reason sometimes. So, and like, so I just signed up with her, called the other company back and said, we found, you know, we found another place that we could stay there the whole time. You know, thanks for the hassle, blah, 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 but. We're not going to stay with you guys. And they are like, that's not a problem. So it it all worked out very well for us. Very, very thankful. That's awesome. So then
0: now that you have this private piece that you got permission on, has the public land kind of taken a back seat or do you currently have trail cameras out on this, uh, on this Iowa piece on
1: the private ground? Yeah. Yeah, so my wife and I, when we went on that vacation, we put cameras up, um, and then on our way home, I stopped and checked one on the private piece, only to find that it was a brand new camera, a brand new SD card, and it took two pictures. Oh, jeez. Over, oh, yeah, oh, dude, you want, my wife was, like, backing up, because she was worried that I was about to just blow a gasket in the woods, just... I mean, every emotion ran through me, mad, sad, just wanted to cry, wanted to break a brand new camera in half over my leg. Like it just – that's the most frustrating thing in the world.
0: Isn't that funny how of all the things that can go wrong within an entire year of chasing an animal, a deer or whatever, that particular example is – makes – me I know me the most furious out of anything if a guy if I'm in a perfect spot chasing a giant buck and some guy comes through the woods and interrupts my hunt I don't get near as mad as if a trail camera doesn't work
1: yeah I you know what I've never thought about that way but I I would yeah you are absolutely right I don't know why but yes it is it is like the most irritating Part about this whole thing we do what is it I, I was just, it user error? no 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 okay. thank god thank god because i've had that before and that's not good either yeah so not much you can really do about that right so um so yeah that happened and i just pulled or no, I, I reset the camera and uh i was just like walked away and we weren't that far from Public that I had thrown a camera up on, and I was like, well, let's go check that because this is just like I can't like we're here like I can't drive home and not have anything to like look at for Iowa yeah and she she didn't fight me on it at all, and uh sure enough, we pulled the camera off um the Iowa I, I don't want to leave it on public land for you know all the way till November, yeah so we pulled it down and yeah there was a there's a right out the gate very nice uh gosh i forget now what he was i don't know he's maybe a, i think he was a mainframe eight with like a big split g2 probably a a 140 150 class buck right so um and then yeah my buddy and i so then my wife and i got home from our out west trip end of july and my buddy um This name's Mike that I'm hunting Iowa with. We actually went back out there to that farm to put up tree stands two weeks ago. So we checked all the cameras then. Um and there's there's definitely some there's some quality bucks around. It's not you know, when you think Iowa and I've never hunted Iowa before, but when you think Iowa, you just think one eighty is in booners and hunting shows and it's gonna be epic and not that I'm disappointed. It was a reality check. We pulled cameras, and there was, I don't know, it was five or six, mature deer, on there. But they're, you know, they're all like one thirties, one forties, and I had to stop and be like, "There's nothing to be disappointed about." Yeah. If you sit in a tree stand and you watch this rut unfold in front of you, with this class of deer running around, it's going to be unlike anything you've ever witnessed in the whitetail woods, yep. and that is plenty to be excited about. Right. So. And that's a good reality check.
0: Yeah. And that's one thing that a lot of people don't understand, you know, yes, I have a good, you know, a couple good private farms that I hunt, but I also dabble in some not so good farms. And I dabble in a little bit of public land too. And we do have a higher age class of deer. We also have less, um, less hunters in Iowa. We also have, uh, we don't have a rifle season as of right now and we have a very short gun season. So that allows, you know, deer to get uh, to a higher age class. But from a pressure standpoint, because Iowa is only like 2% public land available for hunting and some of that is, doesn't even hold deer like in the Northern part, just pheasants and grasslands and stuff like that. But I'm telling you, we fight the same amount, we, we fight the same things that everybody else fights every year. It's just that the deer have a, are just a little bit more quality. Right so so yeah, so you, so you actually you know you actually have something to look forward to uh, if the public or if the private ground doesn't necessarily pan out, you know you've captured some some decent bucks on camera on the public ground.
1: Yes. So the the private is going to be uh, tough to hunt. It's it's got some cattle on it. It's um it's got some hills on it. Access is not ideal. A lot going to be a lot of walks. My uh, my buddy that I'm going with, he's actually he's a little bit bigger of a guy and he's considering getting um like a uh like a mountain bike to kind of ride through the cut cornfields and bean fields to get to tree stands and stuff like that which probably isn't a bad idea for him um so it's it's that if we hunt that private it's going to be like physically demanding but then um we scouted a bunch of public when we were out there a couple weeks ago as well and like the public is just it's what you think of when you think of hunting giant you know Iowa farm farm and timber so what what we found the public land in this unit that we're hunting like it's all ag fields like they lease it out to farmers still even though it's public ground so it's 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 beautiful public land to hunt and uh we're super excited about it and we 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 walked away from it thinking that we should have spent more time on the public than the private so Yeah. yeah Just because the way it looks, and it's set up, and the way things feed into each other, and the terrain's not as nasty, and yeah. Gotcha. So.
0: Cool. So, you know, now that you've kind of got some scouting under your belt, you've obviously done some planning, you and your buddy are getting ready to go out, what dates are you going to be going out there?
1: To Iowa, that is uh, November 7th to the 18th, which... I don't. Is that? I feel like we're gonna hit a little bit of lockdown. But what? No. What have you witnessed out well, there? I guess
0: it depends, right? Uh, because what I witness is the lockdown comes from like the first to the fifth, right? There's the the first bucks um, are the big mature bucks are breeding the the first round of does in that time frame, and then. When you start getting into the 7th, and this is just from my, my opinion on the farms and, and properties that I hunt, that's when the the real fun begins. That's when you're able to rattle in a bit, you know, a, a mature buck. That's when you'll see the, the heavy chasing. That's when you'll see, um, you know, daylight movement all day long. And then after, and as you get closer, and as I get older, I feel like I would rather take the second... And third week off of deer season than that first week off of deer season So I think you're gonna you're gonna hit it right because I think a lot of people um, and let me check my my calendar real quick because I think how this this lays out this year September October November a lot of people are going to be taking off the fourth through the tenth right on when they go to hunt typically a lot of people can only really dedicate maybe, A couple weeks, maybe maybe at max two weeks. But I feel like if you're going to show up on the seventh, that I feel like you're going to have three, four, five days of maybe competing with other people. But then as you get into that next week of the 12th through the 17th, I feel that you're probably going to like people are just going to start to disappear because either their vacation's up or they have to go back to work.
1: Well, that I can confirm what you're saying. Well what we noticed with trying to find a place to stay is everybody was booked that first week that we we're trying to be out there. The like yeah. the, you said, the fourth through the tenth or whatever that was. So it was. That's what was the biggest problem with trying to find a place for a week and a half was getting the that seventh through the tenth, you know, someone to let us stay in in one one spot. But um as far as that information that you just that's like the best news i've heard yeah like all summer that we're in you know what i mean that's that's great because michigan we're kind of we michigan uh we're definitely a little colder than the you guys out there by that time and it's definitely everything i've witnessed in michigan is it's it's pretty good lockdown around the 10th on and then uh, i mean our rifle season opens uh the 15th so that's always um changes everything as well
0: yeah Absolutely. So, ending ending this podcast here pretty soon. This trip to Iowa. Any new investments in, in gear uh, that you that you want to talk about?
1: Well, we started. We brought out some climbing sticks that are great. They're heavy, but they're they got to be the safest uh, sticks you know, to put up a tree, they're called, uh, they're like gravity forward sticks or something like that. Um, basically they, the bottom starts out about five feet from the tree. And by the time it gets 20 feet up, uh, it's right at the tree. So you're leaning forward, climbing up these climbing sticks and they're, they're, I think they're like about 45 pounds to lug out there, which is a lot, but, um, it's a, it's not going to make it very mobile. So it's like but, a climbing.
0: Uh, it's it's not necessarily climbing sticks like a a four independent like lone wolf climbing sticks. It's right. One, right. It's one long piece that's broken down and you assemble it in the in the woods.
1: Yes. It's okay. uh. It's yeah. It's very safe. Gotcha. So. Gotcha. yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. That, that. That. I mean. That was. That's more so for my buddy. Like again, I said he's a he's a bigger boy, so he kind of likes to have uh, a couple extra ratchet straps on the hang ons and uh, that type of uh, climbing situation. He doesn't do too well with the lone wolf climbing sticks and um you know that type of thing. So gotcha. Um, yep. So
0: lastly, now Iowa. You know, like you've already kind of said, you've already kind of said, uh, uh, you know. When you think of Iowa, you think these giant 200-inch booners, you know, oh, they're running around everywhere. But then you've this reality check. So what are your expectations for Iowa this year?
1: Hmm. You know, I don't – I haven't really – I haven't thought about that a whole lot. Of course, the easy answer is, you know, to shoot, you know, the biggest buck I've ever shot or something like that or to shoot a booner. But uh, – I want to come away successful for two reasons. One, I I want the meat in the freezer. Um, Two, it's a very expensive tag. Um, But beyond all that, I just want to enjoy watching the rut unfold in a place like Iowa. Um, Because I just think it could be something very special to witness that not a lot of people really get a chance to see. Um, And then if you want to talk, if you want me to just give you a quick answer, I think the goal is probably a 135 inch buck that is three and a half years old or older. Okay. That was, but if that comes by day one, no question about it. Um, It's fine. And then uh, I I told my buddy this um, there's no reason for us to pass on a buck like that on day one um, because we're out here to enjoy the rut. So if one of us tags out early, the other one can film for you know, the guy that's still trying to fill his tag and he can still sit there and he can still witness the whole rut and all that stuff. So. Absolutely. That's yeah. not,
0: that's not a bad goal. I would say, I don't know. That's hard for me because I live in Iowa. Right. But I, right. you know, right. I'm saying that, and this is what I tell people. Yes, you have to be smart when you hunt, but just like anywhere, if you put your time in, it, it will allow you to be a little pickier. Uh, I feel that And I'm not necessarily 100% familiar with the part of the state that you're hunting in, but I'll tell you right now, if you put your time in, and you're gonna see some, you're gonna see something good. And, And being from Michigan, probably something that you've never seen before.
1: Yeah, I would. That's that's really the ultimate hope. Maybe get a crack at it. Maybe not. I don't know. I just whatever happens, I just. I don't want any drama. I don't want any, oh, I hit it far back. I don't, like, just let's, can we just have everything line <laughs> up, you know, good blood, all that stuff? Like that, I, I, I worry more about that type of stuff. So I just, just want to go out there, and have a really good experience. And, uh, I think managing the expectations will uh, kind of help both of us enjoy hunting out there. I don't, I don't want to put the pressure on myself that, uh, I got to shoot like, you know, some five and a half year old deer as a, as a bow hunter, as a hunter in general, I'm just not there yet. Right. So Absolutely. absolutely. Still climbing, still climbing the ladder and trying to, uh, you know, be real with myself about that. Right. So that's a good point.
0: Well, I tell you what, Mr. Polanic, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on the podcast. And let me say not only for Montana, Nebraska, Iowa, and Michigan, good luck this upcoming season.
1: Hey, man, same to you. Good luck in Colorado. As always, good luck in Iowa and uh, look forward to seeing how uh, all your adventures unfold. And there you have it. Huge shout out to Bob for
0: hopping on the podcast today, chatting with us. Huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast. Exodus, Wasp, Lone Wolf, Deer Lab, Prime, Ripcord, Ozonics, and Hunter Safety Systems. Guys, if you haven't already, please go check us out on social media, Facebook and Instagram on the Nine Finger Chronicles. We have a YouTube channel now on the Sportsman's Nation. So just type in uh, Sportsman's Nation and uh, that will bring up our YouTube channel. And then the Sportsman's Nation uh, social media outlets as well, Instagram and Facebook. Please go check those out. Be sure to check out the bustedrack.com and buy the Nine Finger Nation t-shirt proceeds go to the Quality Deer Management Association so please go pick one up not only are they a badass shirt uh, made by a badass company but the proceeds will be going to a equally badass deer uh, deer organization so go do that And again, I forgot this. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this podcast today. Please go out and support the partners of this podcast because they support this podcast. And in return, I can put out more kick-ass content for you guys. And that's it. I hope everybody had a great Monday. With all that said, if you're going to be in a tree, our friends at Hunter Safety Systems are reminding us to wear your damn safety harness.